Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is the O.T. Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 2. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Prophet Isaiah catches a glimpse of a future breathtaking mountaintop view at the time at a time when God's people were spiraling out of control. At a time when God's people were on this downward trajectory into death and darkness. It was not uh, the best of times and the worst of times, but just the, uh, the worst of times for God's people. But thanks be to God for the prophet Isaiah here in Isaiah chapter 2. Woo! He sees the word of God. Did you catch that in the text? So unexpected. Generally, ge generally speaking, you, you hear the word of God, but here, here, H-E-R-E, here, it says Isaiah sees the word of God. And what does he see? He sees a glorious picture, an image, a beautiful image. And so that's what we're going to preach this morning here at GLC, this beautiful image, the mountain house of God, a feast for our eyes. Isaiah 2, verses 1 and 2, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw, 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 concerning Judah and Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. Now the mountain in the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible, is the place where God and man meet each other. It's where God dwells with man, and that's certainly true in the OT, the Old Testament, Especially in Jerusalem, right? Where did God dwell in Jerusalem? Say it with me. Ta, 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 ta. Temple. Temple, temple, temple. The temple is where God made his home with his people. It's his mountain house. His mountain home. Now this uh, picture that prophet Isaiah has is of a future mountain house. Not the Jerusalem temple. This is a future mountain house. One that would be jacked up so high that it would make Mount Everest a pip, squeak, peak, teeny tiny. All the hills, all the mountains bowing down, saluting this mountain for its elevation. It's height. And rivers of nations flowing, flowing up to this heaven-scraping hunk of rock. Did you catch that? Rivers in rivers. Uh, rivers uh, generally, uh, now I'm not really good with physics and stuff, but I mean, I, I, know, I know how gravity works, and generally speaking, uh, rivers don't flow up mountains, rivers flow down mountains. This is 
supernatural. God's doing. Rivers flowing in reverse. Take that, Mr. Newton. <laughs> no stopping this motion. No gravitational pull too great to put the brakes on this motion. Swishing and swashing skyward. The nation's flowing up, 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 up to its peak, to the top. God-defying gravity. Gathering men and women and children into his mountain house. Getting them into his home, all by his muscle power, all his work, all his doing. So uplifting. Now, the first several chapters of the book of Isaiah give us a snapshot of God's people 700 years before the first Christmas, and uh, it's ugly. Not uplifting at all. It's really a Danny Downer. I'm not going to pick on Debbie today, I'm sorry. Okay, so, yeah. not a Deb it's a Danny Downer. Everything, everyone, on this downward trajectory into death and darkness. God's people completely ignoring all of the warnings from the prophets. The prophets crying out, wake up, sleepyheads! Life is more than sports and stuff. That's really all God's people at this time care about. Life of ease and doing what they please. You know, they get up in the morning, they go uh, to their drawer, they pull out it. Life is good shirt, put it on. And they live for the moment. Let's eat, drink, and be merry because, well, tomorrow we die. So it's, a, it's spring break living for us 24-7. Party time, excellent. Uh, yeah, God's people, they know better. They should know better. Not a party for them at all. At this point in history, King David's United Kingdom, uh, divided, uh, Splitsville, uh, sliced in two. And the Northern Kingdom has already been conquered, captured, carried off by the Assyrians. And it was because they were letting their sinful appetites run wild. Idolatry and harlotry on steroids. And here at this point, the southern kingdom, well, they're teetering on the brink of disaster themselves. They're next on the divine judgment chopping block. Prophet Isaiah says so. It's their own most grievous fault. I mean, Prophet Isaiah preaches some of the sternest law in all of Holy Writ in these first couple of chapters in his book. Cutting and condemning law from the mouth of the prophet Isaiah. Here's verse 3 of chapter 1. Here's, the, here's three verses into the book of Isaiah. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Are you picking up what prophet Isaiah is throwing down here? This is a burn. This is a slam. Woo! Fido the dog knows its owner, but God's people have no clue. 
No clue whatsoever. They are living as functional atheists. They really are. They're living as though God is gone. And if they don't wake up soon, well, it ain't going to be pretty for them at all, period. They're going to be conquered, captured, carried away, just like the northern kingdom, carried off by some foreign government, some foreign entity. But it doesn't look like things are going to change for them. They just keep stumbling and tumbling into deeper and deeper death and darkness. And prophet Isaiah, he, he actually starts listing how they're adding to that death and darkness. And the verses preceding the OT reading, I mean, they're doing horrible things. Horrendous things. Getting out of a crime by bribing the judge before sentencing time. Overlooking the poor and the needy. Well, because life is all about being selfish and, you know, greedy. Taking God's statutes, his commands regarding the care, the love, the affection for the orphan, orphan and the widow and chucking them out of the window. No beautiful, breathtaking mountaintop view. I mean, this is rock bottom. A cesspool of sin, evil, wickedness. Nothing but pitch black. So bleak. Just bad. My fellow GLCers, where is our breathtaking mountaintop view? Where is it? It looks like it's just, you know, this downward trajectory into death and darkness for you, for me, for everybody. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? We see another mass shooting this week in this country. We see depression and loneliness affecting people around you and me very close to home. We see children struggling, especially after the uh, lockdowns of 2020. We see the price of food skyrocketing at Kroger, Meyer, and Aldi. We see, you know, the prayer list growing here at GLC. We see corruption, manipulation, lying, rewarded in Lansing and D.C. We see such confusion in this world over identity, morality, and Christianity. We see horrible text messages from family and friends and Things on Facebook that get under our skin. We see so much damage and devastation from a hurricane, a tornado, an earthquake, a tsunami. We see the church cover up abuse rather than coming alongside the wounded, showering them with loving, tender mercy. 
we see more and more wrinkles and gray hairs yearly. We see the freshly dug grave of a loved one at the cemetery. We see an empty chair at the holiday party. We see everything and everyone being, being, being pulled down. We can't defy gravity. We can't do it. And this leaves the future looking pitch black. So bleak. Just bad. There's no way for us on our own to reverse our trajectory. The grave, well, the grave is uh, licking its chops, ready for a big gulp and then a big belch. We are more frail and weak than we care to admit. Every single day when we wake up, every single one of us is only a couple feet away from, from death. But don't you dare despair. Don't let your heart be troubled. Prophet Isaiah's future, breathtaking, mountaintop view is no longer in the future. It's here and now, baby. Right here and right now. This, this breathtaking mountaintop view is a reality for you and for me because, because, because Jesus has transformed that death and darkness dealing cruel tool into his grand mountain house where he does rule and now invites us to enjoy such a magnificent view of his everlasting life and light right there from the church pew. This mountain house here in Isaiah 2 is no longer in the future. It has already been built. Verse 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. The latter days aren't uh, later. The future is now. The wait, it's over, baby. It's over. No more waiting. This mountain house here in Isaiah 2 has already been built, and it exceeds all of our expectations. It's a house that we would never, ever have dreamt up on our own. This is a mountain house not made of sticks and stones, brick and mortar. This house is made with hair. Skin, bones, fingernails, feet, eyes, a mouth. Jesus, he himself is the raw material for this grand mountain house. And this mountain house goes by a name. Spelled C-H-U-R-C-H. That is the church. The church is God's mountain house, and God's mountain house is the church. And we see Jesus raise this building at Calvary. 
Jesus was lifted up on the cross so that he could lift up the one holy Christian and apostolic mountain, the church, and give us a whole new trajectory, an upward trajectory into life and light. His life and his light. Now I get it. That, that, that hill outside of Jerusalem, teeny tiny. Not a big hill at all. But on that hill, the downward trajectory into death and darkness that we're all on was reversed for good forever. Jesus, he changed the course of human history by entering the death and darkness of all humanity, plunging himself there on the cross into all the death and darkness from that first Adam to the last man standing. So all of the death and darkness you have faced, all of the death and darkness you now face, face all of the death and darkness you will face, Jesus has already faced. All that swamps and swarms you in darkness and death, fears and tears, doubts and regrets, loneliness and lovelessness, pain, loss, grief, Misuse and abuse, envy, jealousy, greed, sickness and suffering, weaknesses and limits, sickness and suffering, funerals and cemeteries. All of that Jesus allowed on the Friday that we call good, he allowed all of that to do what? Swamp and swarm him. St. Matt. He actually uh, records this for us. Verses 45 and 46 of Matthew chapter 27. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did you hear what Jesus said here? Did you hear Jesus? Jesus entered the death and darkness of God-forsakenness. That is the worst possible death and darkness there is. It's hell. Literally. And it's a death and darkness you and I will never, ever have to experience. Now, if Jesus suffered that hellacious death and darkness... You know what this means. There is no death in darkness he did not suffer. That, mean he, that, that means he gets. He gets your own personal death in darkness. He knows it intimately. He knows it firsthand. He actually knows it better than you do. And he gets to look at your death in darkness, and he says, been there, done that. Been there, done that. You are never alone in your death in darkness. Never. 
I mean, Jesus wasn't joking around. He wasn't fooling around when he said in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you Sometimes. Always. There we go. I'm with you always to the end of the age. The mountain house that Jesus made with his own blood, sweat, and tears. The mountain house that towers over everything and everyone. The mountain house that is built to last forever. The mountain house that has at the front door a doormat that reads, Welcome home. It's in that house, that mountain house where you belong. It's where you are right now. It's where you live and you move and you have your being. Into that mountain house, you have been carried by those baptismal streams. That's right, you were caught, dear friends. In the rushing rivers of salvation at the font that defy gravity, Jesus using those rushing rivers of salvation to pull you up, 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 up into his mountain house, into his church. Talk about upward mobility. <laughs> Every single time you come to 303 Ruth Street, you go up. You go up. No, I get it. I get it. We're flatlanders here. We can see 10 miles in, in any direction. I get that. I get that. I get that. But don't let your eyes fool you. Every single time you come to worship, come to divine service at 303 Ruth Street, the words of prophet Isaiah come true. These words. Verse 3 of the OT reading. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways. And that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. When you take your seat in the pew, you enjoy quite the breathtaking mountain top view. Don't you? Through the word, the word, the word, you begin to see the world, the entire world. From God's perspective, and it's so comforting. It's so consoling. It really is. You see that death and darkness are not F-I-N-A-L. Final. Because you see J-E-S-U-S. Jesus. You see Jesus. Not with your eyeballs, but with your ear holes. You see Jesus with your ears. He ain't dead. Good Friday did not end Jesus. Good Friday wasn't, you know, finalizing for Jesus, okay? No. He lives. He's alive and well. I mean, a moment ago, at the beginning of the service, we prayed, O come, O come, Emmanuel. That prayer answered. Behold, Emmanuel, God with us. God for us. God on our side. God 
beside us. All the way. Yeah, Jesus, he's here. In this mountain house, and we hear his voice. And he teaches us. That's what Jesus does. He's the teacher of the church, not Pastor Aaron, okay? Jesus is the teacher, preacher of the church. And what he teaches all of us, me and you both, is that death and darkness can't be avoided. Days of death and darkness will come. But, and this is a huge cosmic but. But when those days do come, we are not alone. We're not alone. Jesus comes alongside us. And he walks with us through the death and darkness, onward and upward. Onward and upward. Don't believe me? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. It's, I'm giving you, I'm allowing you to close your eyes right now, okay? Do you hear what I hear? Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Take, drink. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Dear friends, here at the altar, Jesus fills us with his life that death can't destroy. And he floods our entire being with his light that no darkness can actually snuff out. We are bound for the new creation. Our trajectory? Resurrection, baby. Easter morning. Our own personal Easter morning on the last day. And we're going to get there. Jesus is going to hold our hands every step of the way there. And his grip will not slip. On the last day when that J-Day, Judgment Day trumpet sounds, Jesus will descend and he'll take us by the hand and he will lead us in joyful procession out of the grave, out of death and darkness for good forever, into his marvelous light and life of the new heavens and the, and the new earth, which prophet Isaiah gets a picture of. It's great. Verse 4, it's, it's paradise restored. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Bombs won't last. Poverty won't last. Depression won't last. Crooked government and politicians won't last. Evil won't last. Cancer treatments won't last. Funerals and committals will not last. The days of death and darkness are, are, are numbered. They're numbered, folks. The last day will come any moment. Any moment. And when that last day comes, there will be peace on earth. The whole world flooded with the light of Jesus the Christ. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace. That light, though, is available to us even, even now. So wake up, GLCers. I'm going to say to you what prophet Isaiah said to God's people years ago. 
O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Many around us have no peace as they see death and darkness in every nation. Well, let's give them something good to look at, shall we? Let's walk in the light of Christ and bling and sing and shine with the hope of the resurrection. For that's this world's final destination. Things are really looking up, folks. They really are for all of us. For every single human being. Things are really looking up for everyone. Some just don't know it yet. So, let's give them something to look forward to. Something to live for. Something to live in to. We have this breathtaking mountaintop view to share. Let's uh, share it this Advent, shall we? Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.